Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. each other starters playing wins and losses actually counting we are here 72 hours ish maybe 48 by the time you listen to it this maybe 24 away from the Colts 2019 season getting underway and this is our Chargers preview podcast for week one the season opener here on Kevin's Corner Joey Molinaro Kevin Bowen back Again, and as we alluded to earlier in the week, Labor Day kind of pushed it back to uh, Tuesday and the Brian Hoyer signing. What we'll typically do, I think, with these podcasts during the regular season, Joey, is kind of go a Monday recap, Thursday preview. Yep. That's that's the sort of pattern that I would like to keep with. This podcast, the later one in the week, is typically shorter. Um, we're going to take a few Twitter questions today, not too many. Um but definitely hit on Jacoby Brissett, and I mean, I guess everyone's doing it. We got to give our season predictions, don't we? I think so. That's part of the mandated. It's le- It's legally binding, and when you're a, a media member, you cover a football team, you have to. You do You have that. to, and then you get ripped. Yep. Uh, that's just part of it. And um, yeah, man, are you are you like charge or are you like Bears Packers tonight? You're full in all four quarters, or are you kind oh, yeah. of. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, I this is my fiance knows, as I'm sure that your wife has found out very quickly that when football season begins, yeah, that means less and less Joey time. Mm-hmm. So we got that in in July, and the some in August. Is more in your right hand, for sure. The next yeah, so and especially with the sports books being open in Indiana, great um, call. Great call, it's uh, it's time, it's here, and it's football. And we will get into a little bit of the legal betting aspect of things. Um, we could have a potential sponsor for this podcast very soon as yeah. well uh, along those lines. But let's start with Jacoby Brissett, Joey. Okay. Um, I posted something on 107.5thefan.com earlier today about what the Colts will miss the most in the post-Andrew Luck era. Basically, kind of one more uh, eulogy, if you will, uh, of like what Andrew Luck was mm-hmm. as a as a football player. Because I don't know if you felt this way, but I feel like in the last two weeks, somehow Andrew Luck has become overrated or not very good or not as good as, like, people should give him credit for. And Jacoby Brissett has been elevated to, like, top 10, top 15 quarterback, and the Colts are going to win the AFC South running away with it. And Peter King saying Jacoby Brissett's third of the MVP voting and Rich Eisen's picking them to win the AFC South. And it's just like, wait, wait, wait. Andrew Luck was really freaking good. And I feel like we've kind of lost sight of that. So um, I I had this article planned for a while, but it's interesting how just the perception of how we look at Andrew Luck as a quarterback has changed. Like, he was a really damn good quarterback. I have a feeling we'll come in here on some Monday mornings and just think to ourselves this season, man, in the critical moments, could you have had one or two more plays out of your quarterback? Uh, but let's focus mainly on Brissett. And I know it's been beaten kind of to a dead, you know, to a dead horse here on just 
This was a notion that we knew full well even before Jacoby Brissett became the the franchise quarterback, but it, it should be reiterated again because I don't think we would have said the same thing about maybe Scott Tolzien a few years ago. The guys in that locker room love Jacoby Brissett on both sides of the ball. I don't sense jealousy over like the contract extension he got earlier in the week, which could, should rub some players the wrong way of like, wait, what the hell has he done to be paid top 20 at his position in the NFL? I think there is a level of respect in that locker room and a bit of rallying, which I think we're seeing from the fan base, honestly. I think a lot of this is just like, here we go. It's human It's human re- nature, right? It's just natural reaction. Exactly. Could not agree with that more. Like, they don't believe in us. That guy didn't want to be here. Let's time to rally, rally, rally. And I, I do think there's a lot of that inside of that locker room around Jacoby Brissett. Um, I, I also remember, you know, back earlier this year, when Ballard had his um, exit meetings with players and he had one with Jacoby Brissett. And more or less, he told Brissett, and again, this is back in January. Andrew Luck was getting ready to play the Pro Bowl like two weeks later. He told Brissett, like, hey, dude, uh, I'm probably not going to trade you. Sorry. Like, we have you under contract for another year. I know you probably want to be traded, but unless I get some offer that is just going to blow me away, I think you're too valuable to us. And you mean too much. The, the the backup position, I think, has always meant a lot to Chris Ballard. And I think how J- Jacoby Brissett is perceived and, and and thought of in that locker room just meant too much to Ballard. And I also remember um, talking to Marcus Brady, the quarterback's coach, late last season. And that was kind of when I think some of the chatter began of like, hey, Andrew Luck's really healthy. He's taken virtually every meaningful snap this season. He's practiced every day. There, The Jacoby Brissett trade chatter, I feel like, started to build a little bit. And Brady was telling great stories about how you know, every week in that meeting room, Jacoby would come to him and be like, hey, did you see what Drew Brees did this week? Did you see what Tom Brady did this week? He'd bring these little clips and be like, can we incorporate that at all? Is there something we are missing here? And I, I, I think there's just a football junkie mindset to Jacoby Brissett. He is ultra competitive. I mean, you've you've seen him in in, in practice. He's not afraid to chirp. No. He's not afraid to get into it with a guy like Devin Funches that we saw earlier in the spring. And I think largely players do respect that. Um, you know, even Brian Hoyer told a story yesterday about how uh, – did you see uh, Hoyer and Jacoby Reset were roommates at the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, how wild is that? That's such a small, small world. That's awesome. Of like, uh, you know, Tom Brady, his infamous trip that I feel like has turned into like viral every year. It's just like, hey, this is my bachelor party year in and year out. I can just see that though. Could, hey, that could be the start of America's game. America's yeah. game 2020, you know? Okay. They flash back to the Kentucky Derby. We didn't know. We blah, blah, blah. And then you got those two guys leading the quarterback room. All right. There you go, okay. Colts fans. Yeah. Huh? Joey Molinaro on his drinking the Kool-Aid big time here <laughs> on this Thursday morning. Um, it, it was funny, you know, Hoyer mentioning that to us, uh, you know, about how when he, that was really his first time meeting Jacoby Brissett and that first he realized he's really funny. And secondly, he saw how relatable he was and, Brian Hoyer, you know, he had a lot of suitors here over the last 
yep. you know, five or six days. Like, there were teams that wanted him. Brian Hoyer had to get up and move his family. There was talk of New England still wanting him back. And I do think Jacoby Brissett's presence played into a bit of why Hoyer wanted to come here. Hoyer actually said that when the Andrew Luck stuff went, went down now two weeks ago Saturday, he texted Jacoby Brissett was like, hey, man, this is the opportunity that that you've been talking about, a.k.a. probably after a few drinks or a few mint juleps at the Derby, um, which I hear are horrible drinks. Um, I, I, I've never been to the Derby. It probably look good for your IG, though. Yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. oh, and, Pretty hey, drink, cool drink. It's always for the gram, man. Right. Um, basically, Jacoby Brissett was like, yeah, I want to be a starter. You know, I don't, for lack of a better phrase, I'm, I'm sure he probably looked at Hoyer and was like, I don't want to have your career. You know, it sounds harsh, but it's kind of like I, I want my team. I want to run it. I was a third round pick. Brian Hoyer was an undrafted yeah. free agent um, back in 2009. So I think that, that there was that from Hoyer. And again, when, when he texted him, he was like, look, it's your opportunity. Good luck. Sure enough, a week later, Brian Hoyer is waived by the Patriots. And now they're in the same quarterback room. Um. So I, I, I think when you talk about everything off the field with Jacoby Brissett, that checks the box. Again, more so than it did for Scott Tolzien. And, and I'm not sitting here like Tolzien was a bad teammate, but I just don't think his personality resonated across that locker room like Jacoby Brissett's does. And if we kind of move into on-the-field stuff, Joey, I would say the biggest stride that I need to see in Jacoby Brissett that that will be pretty tangible to watch is his on-field accuracy is the intermediate underneath accuracy and this is not just go to your local um, state fair and throw a football through a tire this is timing knowledge of defenses quick rhythm stuff like all of that plays into it because when you look at Brissett's numbers even going back to his NC State days He's not been one of the more accurate quarterbacks that you would think of for a guy that was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't been. Now, what did we see from Andrew Luck last year in Frank Reich's system? The accuracy and the completion percentage shot up. So now do we see strides in Jacoby Brissett's game where, look, we can largely throw 2017 out the window. Like, that was just such a chaotic... I mean, I've gone over all the... You know, for lack of a better term, idiots that were playing or uh, playing around him, um, which is probably a harsh comment to to make. Maybe just uh, not as talented football Jags. players. Yeah, yeah, just just a guy. Yeah, guys, guys, exactly. Um, I think what you do like about what Jacoby Brissett did is from that 2017 season was he did protect the football well, and that's going to be paramount. And Frank Reich has alluded to that is going to be vital early in the season. The Colts didn't get out of their own way last year and starting one and five from committing turnovers. Um, and Nick Sirianni talked earlier in the week about how the two best things that a quarterback has decision, decision making and accuracy. So I think the accuracy aspect of things is still where Jacoby Brissett has got to make those improvements. And I know he's worked a lot with, Tom House. We, 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 we've talked a lot about Tom House working with Andrew Luck. It's not like when Tom House shows up to the Colts complex, it's not just, oh, yeah, I don't talk to the other quarterbacks. I mean, he still is working with Jacoby Brissett of, you know, making sure his fundamentals from the ground up have improved and the Colts feel like they have improved. And then from a knowledge base, 
this is where the Colts think maybe his biggest stride has been of just one, two, three, four, five, hitch, throw. Not one, two, kind of hitch, three, four, maybe you're hitching again, and then it's five, and you're like, oh, yeah, there's my third progression, and I'm going to hitch and throw there. Like, it's more of a fluid progression through it. And so I think that is um, just kind of a, hey, I know where the coverage is. I'm more confident. That way I become a more accurate quarterback. So I think those things are there. Joey, I would say one of the biggest questions I have now with him is just how do you handle being the guy? You're no longer a placeholder. You're no longer a, oh, yeah, whenever Andrew Luck gets back healthy or whenever Tom Brady comes off the suspension list, I'm back to being way behind, you know, whoever is in front of me at the quarterback position. Like, I, there is a different bit of a, you're not coming out. Like, they're not putting Brian Hoyer in the game if you struggle. This is your franchise. You are the answer. And you got to think human nature impacts you some way, somehow, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. You're definitely going to find out a lot about your quarterback when you do throw him into those situations of like, not only is Jacoby Brissett now the answer, Joey, he's the answer on a team that has expectations that there shouldn't be much of a drop-off. And we can argue that, but the Colts still firmly believe they can win the AFC South. So it's one thing in 2017 when you're like, shit, this season doesn't matter. Right. You know, it's like you can't fall back on that anymore. Yeah, you aren't you aren't like on you aren't in full on tank mode in 2017, but you you were pretty much tanking without admitting that you were tanking. Knew like, that it was gonna be a different coach, yeah. you know, first year GM. Yeah, it, it, exactly. You knew it was Chuck Pagano swan song, and all of that. Now it's kind of like, oh my gosh, it's a three point game in the fourth quarter. I'm taking over with two minutes and thirty seconds to go in the game on my own twenty, and if we get this ball into the end zone, that could be the difference between winning the division and not. It's just different pressure that Jacoby Brissett has ever, ever faced. And and like we said numerous times, around him is so, so much better than it was in 2017. So much better. The offensive line, there's some deep analytics that have taken a look at it. I think just from 2017 to 2018. So Jacoby Brissett getting sacked 52 times in 2017 to Andrew Luck getting sacked, whatever he was. 13 times, something like that. The fewest in the NFL in 2018. In general, like 13% less pressure, which is a pretty substantial number from one season to the next. Personnel has changed. And then also what we have to ask with Jacoby Brissett is, can you handle all the pre-snap stuff? Can you handle the pass protection stuff that comes with being in a Frank Reich offense? And can you get the Colts out of bad plays? Nick Sirianni said earlier in the week he's going to have the same sort of latitude that Andrew Luck had, but that includes get us out of bad plays. Like I'm Frank Reich, I'm going to call a run play where I don't know if the numbers are going to be right. You've got to identify that at the line of scrimmage. And can Bursett handle all of those things? So, um, anything else that kind of sticks out with 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 him and? Saw a few more comps we got. Byron Leftwich was a comp. Okay. Someone mentioned Joe Flacco. Yeah. Um, you would hope probably the ceiling is a little bit higher than 
Flacco or Leftwich. Obviously, I know Flacco won a Super Bowl. Yeah. But um, you don't look at him as a multi-year Pro Bowl quarterback or anything like that. But um, I don't know why I felt so good about Dante Culpepper. I feel no, like that's I, pretty... I thought it was good. And, and I mean, you went, hey, you went far back there to grab out Dante. Yeah, I mean, he put up big numbers. Yeah. You know, when he had Moss and Carter and those guys, you know, he 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 could sling it around for a while. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's really I I, I yeah. Flacco's I, not bad too, just because he you know he, he's more of a statue kind of guy, not moving around a lot, huge arm. I could see that. And that's the thing, like. Andrew Luck, and we don't need to get into some, like, stereotype of, like, skin color here, but Andrew Luck is a far better athlete than Jacoby Brissett. Like, I, I, Ran a faster I, 40. Yeah, yeah for I, sure. I, I felt that, and then I went back and looked at, like, the actual combine numbers, oh, yeah. and 40 is, like, 4'6 to 4'9, basically, is the which is a substantial difference. I mean, 3'10s uh, three, yeah. three and a 40 is a lot. I mean, I don't care if you look at vertical jump, mm-hmm. broad jump, cone, whatever. Andrew Luck was a is was whatever you want to call it a far better athlete than Jacoby Brissett yep so that's another element that you throw in there as well and I know some people I think we didn't get to this Twitter question maybe on on um Tuesday and we'll wrap it up with 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 this realistic numbers for Jacoby Brissett this season I looked up his 2017 season and again these numbers don't mean a whole whole lot but it just gives us some sort of a baseline 58% 58% passer, 3,100 yards, 13 TDs, 7 picks, and an 81.7 quarterback rating. Andrew Luck last year, 67%, 4,500 yards, how 4,600 pretty much, 39 touchdowns, 15 picks, and a 98.7 rating. So I think when you try to compare those two, what you want to see from Jacoby Brissett is I think you want to see him in like the 63 to 64% passer. I think you want to see him at least around like 3,500 yards, maybe a little bit north of that. And you definitely want to see the touchdown numbers come up. Andrew Luck with three times the amount of touchdowns. I think Brissett had a few running touchdowns. He did. That he... That he um, Back in that 2017 season, obviously, you want to see the rating climb a little bit. So, um, I'm excited, man, though, because I, I just think there's this great unknown about the entire roster to a degree, but especially this quarterback to where, for the first time in 20 years, the Colts are going to enter a season and they're going to evaluate a quarterback and have to make a decision on, is that guy our, our guy for the next five to ten years or not? And it's just something, like, I don't think this fan base, especially me, has ever experienced. No, our generation is totally, this totally is so foreign. foreign to it. This yeah. is so foreign, and it's fascinating. It's scary. It's exciting. Like, whatever adjective you want to throw in it, it's going to be entertaining football to watch and see how Jacoby Brissett develops in a much better situation than he had two years ago. Well, I was watching Good Morning Football this morning, Kevin, and they're live in Chicago getting ready to kick off Bears-Packers on Thursday night, and they were making their season predictions, and none of them had the Colts going down to Miami, but that was just my transition into this. It's time for Did they pick your... the AFC South? Did, were you watching when they picked that? Division? Well, they made their playoff predictions yesterday, okay. and some of them had the Colts going to the playoffs, but this today was, was the Super Bowl, Bowl and none of them had them representing the AFC down there in Miami. Now let's hear your season prediction for the Colts. Yeah, um... 
and as I referenced yesterday, I posted a poll on Twitter. And do you mind pulling that up, Joey? Yep, you got it right here. Those updated numbers. So for for fans that might have missed the poll, because what we've seen is a nine and a half over under with Andrew Luck, and then the over under has dropped to seven and a half. Yes, without Luck. So go ahead and read that poll and provide the results yep. so far. From you, at KBowen1070, you posted the 2019 Colts record will be 10 or more wins. It was the first option. 9 and 7 the second, 8 and 8 the third, and 7 or fewer wins with the fourth option. The top vote was 9 and 7 with 41% of the votes coming in. Uh, the second one was 10 or more at 32%, then 8 and 8 at 16%. And then lastly, seven or fewer with 11%. So people are feeling pretty damn good. I think you mentioned it earlier, Joey. Betting uh, is now legal in the state of Indiana, yep. sports betting. And the over-under for the Colts is now seven and a half. I think there's 89% of people that could go potentially win some money on the Indianapolis Colts. I'm hammering the over. Hammering the over. On, are, Ooh, maybe you, hammering's a strong word. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely pushing the over. Okay. Um, where are you at? I guess we haven't really talked about it. Are you eight and eight? Are you nine and seven? I'm nine and seven. Okay. Yep. Um, before I give out my, my record, just a couple of caveats w- with this season. I, I, I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of unknown and, and some people might be like, well, yeah, there's unknown at quarterback, but you bring back 20 of 22 starters. So what, what do you mean by that? Mainly on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there's unknown in that. How do you play against the elite quarterbacks? That is the unknown for me. Because when we talk about that side of the ball and this team in general taking another step forward, it's now becoming a top 15 defense, top 10 defense against a tougher schedule. Because if you are going to be a team that has the sort of sustained success that Jim Irsay wants, you're going to be playing great, great teams year in and year out. That's how the NFL works from a scheduling standpoint. And that's where I guess there is the unknown for me is on that side of the ball, the personnel changes that you've added, can they deliver against the top quarterbacks? The unknown at the receiver position of, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. I love Paris Campbell. I love Deion Kane. I've mentioned that several times. Can they provide a jolt to that receiver group that's been so, so lacking? Speaking of the wideout group, you catch T.Y. Hilton on JMV yesterday? Uh, a little bit of it, yeah. I found it interesting, and I guess it makes sense that Hilton was pretty candid in saying, one more contract, and then I'm hanging up. Hmm. So he is currently signed through the 2020 season. So two years left on his current contract. He turns 30 years old this November. So, theoretically, let's say he signs that new contract. I can't imagine it'd be for more than, like, three or four years. He's probably going to play close to about 35, and then that's when he would call it quits. Um, Definitely sounds like a guy that wants to continue to play here in Indianapolis, and I'm sure what the quarterback position looks like in 2020 or 2021 will be a big, big part of that. But, um, man, what a a career he's had. Yep. By far. Ryan Grigson, best draft pick, best move by far. Nothing even comes close to that for T.Y. Hilton. But, again, that's the unknown of like, okay, you've added this wideout group. You've brought in a new offensive line coach. Those are where I get at some of the unknowns of like there are other things just besides of, 
holy shit, your franchise quarterback just retired two weeks ago, and here comes Jacoby Brissett as your new guy. Like, that's the obvious unknown, but there's a few more things as well. Um, And where I think a lot of fans have given this new sort of, and I guess a lot of the national media, I I think the national media, Joey, they more just think the AFC AFC South isn't very good or isn't like doesn't have that one team yeah. that is going to go out and win 11 uh, win 11 games whereas i think locally the fans have kind of gotten this new re-energized feeling is one the whole rallying cry and then two they look at games last year where luck didn't throw for 200 yards and the colts still won dallas washington buffalo And I looked a little bit deeper at those games, and obviously the Colts ran the ball well in those games. The Colts' defense played outstanding in those games. And while Luck didn't throw for a whole lot yardage-wise, he was really good on third down. Really good on third down. And it's the efficiency of the quarterback to where, yes, your blueprint to win those games was largely via the run and good defense. But there still was a guy under center in number 12 that he's on the football field. And he impacts things in some way, whether that's purely for how an opposing defense game plans for him versus how they game plan for Jacoby Brissett. Or, like I mentioned earlier, we talk about some of the pre-snap stuff. Did Andrew Luck have a great game and getting the Colts out of bad run plays and into good run plays? Did he do a nice job of making sure that they just got into third and manageables all day long? And I guess, can Jacoby Brissett recreate that? Because, yes, I think the the blueprints of how the Colts won those games last year, that should give fans um, just better calming feelings going into this season. Um, and, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, Kevin. I, I feel like in 2017 and leading up to 2018, we heard so much of, Oh, Andrew Luck, I mean, when he's back on the field, he's he's worth three or four wins alone, just him. Exactly. So then it can't be the opposite way to me, even though I only have them winning one less game than they did in 2018. It, it can't be the opposite of all of a sudden, well, like you mentioned, oh, Andrew Luck, we did fine without him. Eh, come on. So I'm going to go with eight and eight. And last year, like you said, Joey, they were 10 and six. I'd probably take three wins away from that in that, you have a harder schedule and no Andrew Luck. So that brought me down to like seven and nine. And then I felt like this team has improved in other areas. So then I bump it up to eight and eight. And I think I've said this before, but I firmly believe there's a better chance this team goes 10 and six than it goes six and 10. For sure. I just don't, I I, I think you're, you're, you're too well built for it to truly bottom out. Um, Who are your home losses and your uh, road wins? Okay, my road wins were at Tampa. And let me let me pull it up. I have it actually in front of me. My home loss, I think, was just Houston. Which I know might rub some people the wrong way, but like, I mean, going 8-0 at home, I mean, that's... Yeah, so it was home to Houston in week seven. Um, and that was it. I guess I've got them going seven and one at home and one and seven on the road. 
Which there's no way it plays out like that. Right. I have them going seven and one at home and then obviously two and six yeah, on the road. Yeah. Um a couple things that I think is critical. Swing games, Joey. Swing games against three quarterbacks that have all played in a Super Bowl. Home to the Falcons, at your Steelers, home to the Panthers. I think those are just if you can go two and one in those three games, I think you're gonna play week seventeen with a legit chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um and I know I've stressed this a lot the start of the season. There is a slippery slope there where if you lose four of your first five, something like that, that's where I think things could potentially derail. But if you can win three of your first five, then I think there's the potential to have a sort of season where it's very similar from a win-loss record as uh, as last year, if not better in the sense of maybe you win the division, maybe get some home field. I, I just think this division, it's so 50-50 every single game. Like, I, I don't think that there's that big of of a discrepancy between, you know, playing the Titans at home or the Texans on the road. It's just a lot of coin flip action. So, I got them going 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, Does it come down to that last week in Jacksonville for it you? It does, yeah. I had them losing last week in, in, in Jacksonville. I had them beating the Panthers the week before. Same as a very close game, and then beating the the Jags um, week 17. My division winner, Joey, would probably still be Houston. I, I think that they have the most – they are a weird ro- wa- roster when you look at it. It's kind of like, wow, their top five or seven players are really, really good. Right. And then there's like this huge drop-off. So if they can keep the elite healthy – I think they win 10 games and uh, capture the division. It's crazy, though. The Colts have won the division in five seasons. Oof. 2014. Yikes. Yeah. I guess I think I haven't thought about that. Right. One. I mean, once Luck suffered the injuries, you never won the division. Huh. Even 2016, when he played 15 games, or this past season, when he played every single game. What a weird three-year run that was. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been four season since the Colts have won the division. All right, let's hop into a couple Twitter questions before we finish things up with your keys to the game against cool, the Chargers. Cool, cool, cool. We'll start with Scotty. Big if here. Colts win the bowl. I'm guessing he says the Super Bowl. Considering Goff's contract and if Brissett was a big part of the Colts winning the Super Bowl, how much does Jacoby get paid after the season? Does the fan base forget about Luck's early retirement? Oh, boy. Um, If the Colts win the Super Bowl... Jacoby Brissett's getting a new deal. Oh, yeah. And it's going to look... He might get a statue, too. It's, it's going to look really, really nice. Like, there, there's no debate about that. I mean, hell, Joey, if, if the Colts win the division, I think Jacoby Brissett gets a new contract. I mean, you rarely see... I guess Dak... Is Dak playing in a contract year? I'm pretty sure he's coming yes. up into yes. a contract year. You rarely see quarterbacks play in a contract year. When you restructured Andrew Luck's first deal... You didn't get to that contract year for him. So if Jacoby Brissett and the Colts, you know, go to the playoffs and he plays like a top 15 quarterback in the league, you don't want him in a, in a you know, in a contract year, lame duck sort of season. You don't want him probably getting paid as the 19th quarterback in the NFL. So I would think that you, you don't need to go to the, you don't need to go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. If you can get in the playoffs and have home field, and Jacoby Reset has played like a playoff quarterback, 
you're going to pay him a few more commas, a few more zeros than you paid him this past year. This is from, I don't know if it's a typo or maybe, I I don't know, uh, TXA IU. Oh, yeah, that IU Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah IU Fan yeah, Texas. Yeah, okay, yeah, what yeah. can we read into the Colts deals for Brissett and Hoyer regarding the odds of luck returning eventually? Um, That's a fair question, but I'm going to say nothing. You really are not tied up too, too long. I know on paper it's two years, 30 mil, three years, 12 million. The Colts have so much cap space. I cannot reiterate that enough. They are they can take a minuscule cap hit and still move on and feel very good about themselves and absorb Andrew Luck's contract if he indeed came back. So I don't think anything crossed the Colts' mind of like, hey, um, just in case Andrew Luck comes back, let's not tie up too much money in Jacoby Brissett or Brian Hoyer. I don't think it was that. I think it was, hey, Brian Hoyer. You're 33 years old. We'll give you a three-year deal because we need to like sway you to come here. But in reality, we can opt out probably after one or two years. And what Jacobier said, it's we'll give you an extension because we need to ease your nerves and calm your uncertain future. And we like you and we believe that you'll be our franchise quarterback. But if you look terrible, we still need to be able to draft a quarterback in 2020 or something along those lines. So... I, I, it's a fair question, but I don't think those contracts had anything to do with. Now, like I mentioned earlier, if you do make the playoffs or have home f- field or whatever, and Jacoby Brissett really succeeds and you give him that four- or five-year deal, that's when I think if Andrew Luck wants to come back, you say, sorry, Wait, which sounds crazy. And Jim Mercer probably wouldn't want to do that, but um, yeah. Hey, speaking of Jim Mercer, real quick, this isn't a Twitter question, but I thought it was interesting. What's the latest on the team being up for sale? I saw there was an offer. What what are we hearing? Yeah, I don't know if it's team up for sale, but I think it was someone was just like, based off the Indy Star article, was, hey, Jim Mercer, here's $3.2 billion. If you want it. If you, are you selling your team? Um, and I know Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk has kind of ran with it and been like, uh, the Colts are confirming that it was a $3.2 billion offer. So the Colts are saying, if you want the team, you better give at least three point three billion. Like he's thinking of it from right. from that term. Joey, I I can never see Jim Irsay selling the Colts. I was going to say, did Lux retirement would, hit him too hard, or what's going nah, on? What I mean, what would that man do with his? He loves the game of football and the Colts. He's always been around it. He's not this this uh, Stan Kroenke or um, you know I don't know all these owners backgrounds but the vast majority of them probably all of them he's like didn't a, grow up in the nfl as much as jim ursay right. has grown up you know maybe the hunts or maybe someone Rooney's, else Smaras. yeah you know maybe you have a few but again the fat like shad khan did not grow up picking <laughs> up jock straps of the st louis cardinals and yes that was a former football team like yes. jim ursay did that with the baltimore colts so his daughter, two of his daughters, are heavily invested in the day-to-day operations with it. Um, that is a family business. Yeah, three point two billion is a whole lot of money. I think the Panthers sold for two point three last year. I want to say it, it was less than that. What well, was it less than that? Um, Steelers minority owner. Yeah, Dave Dave Tepper. Oh, the Colts used to have a guy named Mike Tepper. He was crazy. Um, I can't see it. Okay. Interesting though. 
For sure. It was yeah. just odd. It was like, yeah. good Lord. I mean, we were shocked by Luxor time, and then all of a sudden, if right, here we go. Yeah, Days out. of Our Lives, Season 7, what starting the Monday. Hell? All right, from Nick, can Darius Leonard win the Defensive Player of the Year? What kind of season does he need to have in order to do that? Yeah, um, I do think he can win it. Now, for him to win it, what he needs is a couple things. He needs no pass rusher to have more than 18, 19 sacks, which is out of his control, obviously. But I think he can win it because now there's hype around. Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard had 19 tackles last year in week two, and I don't know if anyone around the NFL even saw it. You know, it was kind of like, oh, wow, nice. Let's see if he can do it again. Well, he had an all-pro season, so he's more on the radar, which for all those damn awards, you got to be on the radar. It's like the same thing with the Heisman. Yep. Like, you got to have some preseason hype for you to garner the sort of attention that it takes to win the award. Now, Darius Leonard's got to have a pretty similar season like he had last year. And when he had seven sacks last year, he says now he wants 10 sacks. And he had four forced fumbles and two picks. He now wants, I think it's like eight or nine forced turnovers. And he wants 200 tackles, not 163 like he led the NFL with last year. So I think he can win it, yeah. From Colts with Grant, do you think that Devin Funches feels any sort of way about the retirement? Funch's back spasms and the retirement of number 12 occurred very close in proximity to each other. How's that going? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question, Grant. Um, I think I think Devin Funches and, and Jacoby Reset have grown, certainly from the spring. Um, I don't know if you saw the Colts practice highlight they put out yesterday. I did. But it was Jacoby Brissett throwing a tight window ball into the hands of Devin Funches with Rocky Scene in coverage. Joey, you were at Grand Park a lot. We saw similar coverage from the rookie a lot in Westfield. Yes. And the vast majority of the time, that sort of target went incomplete. There's one that I literally, I know we're not really supposed to, but I had an audible, whoa, that Yassine did. Right. Definitely. I mean, you, you, I, I had similar gasps yeah. of like, damn. <laughs> 34 can play a little bit, mm-hmm. and I I don't wear a glove when I golf, so I love a guy that doesn't wear gloves like Rocky Scene. Just kind of looks like he's ready. Football guy. Do you do the Moises Alou? Yeah, spit on it. Have calluses everywhere. No, hands do more than night. spit on it. Is he, is he pissing? Oh, yeah. You don't do that? I can't stand there. You know, Ch- Ch- Chad Johnson wanted Andrew Luck to pee on the calf. On the calf? Yeah, which would have been that hard. Was the- that would have been difficult, I think, for Andrew Luck um, from a you know flexibility standpoint. But Chad Johnson said he would pee on some of his injuries, and it would help out. Okay. Interesting. But basically, getting back to it, um, God, we, we, I always tend to get way off. Way off it's all right, man. We have fun. Yeah. Um, that completion is the sort of completion you want to see. That's a 50-50 ball. That Devin Funches and Jacoby Brissett are on the same page. And those that's the ball placement out of Brissett, Joey, that you want to see. Think back to the Buffalo preseason opener. On a third down, he throws the ball behind Devin Funches. Cannot make the yards after catch that you need to to get that third down. Fast forward a week to the week two preseason game, and there's Jacoby Brissett ball placement to a T in that touchdown drive against the Browns. That's what you need to see. When you're talking accuracy, it's not so much just like 59% versus 67%. It's that ball placement has got to be, to steal a word from Jim Irsay, pristine. And you like that. But, you know, Funches, Ebron, 
Ebron's really close with Jacoby Brissett. You can be really close to the guy, and you can also know that you want to get paid. And if things start to derail, how do two of your key weapons react? I think it'll be a storyline to watch all year long. Last one here before we get into your uh, keys to the game coming up for Sunday from Caleb. Bit late for the podcast. I've always been curious. We hear about Andrew Luck working out with QB guru Tom House. What exactly does that entail? And if both Luck and Brissett were working within this offseason, how is that time split? Yeah, I don't know exactly how the time is split. I would like to think that you can have both quarterbacks on the field together and do it pretty simultaneously. Um, But as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's a lot of fundamental stuff from the ground up. Um, You know, I haven't talked to Tom House very briefly. has been our lone interaction. And, boy, that guy kind of talks over your head really quickly (laughs) with some of his scientific reasons throwing the ball baseball or football wise so um yeah I mean it's 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 definitely something to where the 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 ground up fundamentals and kind of mirroring the lower body with the upper body I think is what a lot of Tom House's focus has been on and like I said he's worked with uh worked with Jacoby Brissett I'd say pretty closely to how he's worked with um with Andrew Luck all right man it's time. We've waited since January, like you mentioned at the start. Week one officially here. Guys hitting each other. Wins and losses. Money on the line. Everything that you me. could want. Give it to me. Three keys. What are what needs to happen for the Colts in week one? Go. We got real football, man. Key number one is simply for Jacoby Brissett is just be calm. Be the quarterback that people think you can be with based off the sort of temperament that he goes about his life with. I think that is absolutely paramount. Um, that's protect the ball, you know, help your offensive limit penalties. I think things tend to get sloppy in openers. And if Jacoby Brissett can just ease himself into the game, which is something I think Andrew Luck at times struggle with, that's going to go a long way to helping the Colts. Um, so I, I think that is kind of key number one. Key number two is winning the trenches. Offensively, obviously, you think one of your greatest strengths is the offensive line. And if you look at the Chargers defense right now without Derwin James, their strength is the defensive line. One of the few questions Jacoby Brissett got asked this week about the actual Chargers team, he mentioned, like, look, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, they can change the outcome of a game in a heartbeat. Those guys are studs. And the Colts need their offensive line to do the heavy lifting for you offensively, but I also think when you flip it over to the defense with Russell Okung out, that is bigger to me than Derwin James being out. He might not be as big of a household name, but from what I have, you know, gleaned from the Chargers contingent, the drop off from Russell Okung to their backup left tackle is more significant than the drop off from Anthony Costanzo to LaRaven Clark. Yikes. Yikes is right. And Phillip Rivers, he don't move very much. Now, he can move enough to produce nine kids, but within that pocket. Great hips. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, within that pocket, he you would call him more of a statue. So, Justin Houston, foaming at the mouth, you would think. And you certainly want to disrupt timing 
because Matt Eberflus has mentioned that that's probably the biggest thing. How he judges quarterbacks is what's your timing and what's your accuracy. And those two things go hand in hand. And I think we we would all say Phillip Rivers' timing is accuracy because he's not the most – he's got an unorthodox way to throw the football. But his timing accuracy is damn good, Hall of Fame good. And Justin Houston and that D-line, the potential to disrupt that is paramount. And then that is obviously the, the short-term goal that you have for Sunday afternoon. But the long-term goal is if Justin Houston can go out there and give you two sacks in week one – now in week two, Tennessee thinks twice about 99 and how they want to block him. And and week three with the Falcons, they're now thinking a little bit that. If Justin Houston can have the sack production he had in last season to start this season, that will open up other avenues for this defense. So I think the, the trenches for how much you got whipped the last time you were on the field in that area, in Arrowhead Stadium against the Chiefs, if you can win there you're going to have a legit chance to win this game late in the fourth quarter. There it is. There's one more? One more key. Oh, my bad. Deliver in the fourth quarter. And I guess i probably say that in reference to a lot of Andrew Luck and his clutch moments that he had. You look at the Chargers last year, they were really good, but they also had some Crazy fourth quarter comeback wins. I mean, the primetime one against Kansas City is probably the one a lot of us remember. Um, but they were a team that definitely thrived in late game situations. And you know Phillip Rivers is going to thrive in that. And I don't see any way the Colts win this game without having to make those moments late. I can't see the Colts climbing to some 2-3 score lead and just playing hold on and, and keep away for the rest of the game. You're going to have to be clutch in the fourth quarter. And I think the skill group has got to help out their quarterback to where the ball is in your hands, you go make a play. Like, I don't think you can rely on Andrew Luck to T.Y. Hilton over the top 55-yarder. Like, yeah, that's nice. Jacoby has a big arm. It's probably his greatest physical attribute. But I think to win this game, it's, hey, a third and eight, and you're throwing a four-yard pass you know, short of the chains, and that guy's got to go make something. Or Marlon Mack, beat a guy, make a defender miss in the backfield, and you go get that. Um, I think those are the three keys to the first season opening victory for the Colts potentially since 2013. Man, you're just having every – I mean, the division title, haven't won one since 2014, haven't had a season opener – since 2013. It's reality, man. I know it's not great, but it's reality. You yep. can't hide from it. That's true. Saints, right. Bears, Colts. Surprising those other teams are in there as well. Those are the three teams that have had the longest week one drought in the NFL. The Saints haven't won an opener since 2013. I remember they lost to Tampa Bay last year with Fitzmagic, and that was like, what the hell is going yeah, on? I think that was, didn't Cleveland beat him week one? No. I thought Cleveland beat him. Uh-uh. They could have beat him week two. Was that it? Yes. Fitzmagic beat him week one. Yes. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Rounds in the Superdome. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. So week one's here. We're getting this podcast out for people to be able to have over the weekend leading up to 405 on Sunday. What else is coming from you? Well, just a couple quick things before we leave. There was a note from, we'll be on Chad Kelly Watch more in two weeks, but I found this note interesting um, from Howard Balzer on Twitter. 
There are 14 teams currently in the NFL that have three quarterbacks on their 53-man roster, so 14 of 32. There are 17 teams with practice squad quarterbacks. Um, Indianapolis, New England, and Seattle are the only teams right now with two quarterbacks on their 53-man roster and none on the practice squad. So those are numbers to watch as... um, as Chad Kelly's suspension ends, and we got it. We, we we can't sign off without a Week One prediction, Joey. I will go with Chargers twenty four twenty. I just think having the quarterback makes a difference. This is a great opportunity for the Colts. I don't think I think a six point spread is a lot. I think the Colts are going to have a legit chance to win this game because there are some big time injuries for the Chargers. But I just. I, I still think it's a lot to ask for the Colts to go out there and truly get a victory. I was going to say, so it's the under and the Colts cover. Yeah. I believe well, 44 and a half. Is, 44 and a half. Yeah, so just, yeah just barely. well, I'm going with 44. So um, I feel better about the under. Uh, excuse me. I feel better about the Colts covering than I do the over under. Agreed. What do you got? I don't have a final score because I wasn't prepared enough. Um, Chargers so- or Colts? No, I'm going Chargers, but I do think the Colts will cover six and a half. Keep it close. I think it'll, like you mentioned, it'll be a close game in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, first week out in LA, first go around with you know all after everything that's happened. I think the Chargers will squeak one out, but I do think that it'll be a close game throughout. He's Joey Wallenero. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll be back on Monday recapping the week one season opener for the L.A. Chargers. I cannot reiterate it enough. I'm excited. Uh, this season, I think, can go in a lot of ways. And it's a entertaining time to be a Colts fan. I, I'm not ready to say fun because I think some people might still have some salt in the wounds from Andrew Luck. But it's entertaining because there's a lot of unknown, especially at the most important position on the team. So everyone have a great weekend. And again, 1075thefan.com has all of your Colts content leading into Sunday's season opener in L.A. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.